You know, your treacly optimism is beginning to get just a little bit tiresome. Unlike your heartfelt letters of farewell to half the girls in San Francisco, at least I'm capable of accepting our fate. We're going to be dead in about 33 hours. Whether our beards continue to grow or not is of no concern to me. We will be dead. And unless some ship happens to cross our path, our bearded bodies will be discovered in about three or four years. Is that optimistic enough for you? What's your problem with having a little hope? What's your problem with facing the truth? You're a regular Grim Reaper, Malcolm. Anyone ever tell you that? <sighs> well, if this little trip is a death sentence, then it would seem to me we're entitled to a last meal. What'll it be? I'm afraid our selection is somewhat limited. I'm not hungry. Well, then how about a drink? I don't drink on duty. Are you serious? We're dead men, remember? What's the matter, Lieutenant? Are you afraid the autopsy will show? Your blood alcohol level was too high to pilot a shuttle? Live a little. That's an order. Hello, and welcome to SnapTrack, the podcast which compares two episodes of the galaxy's favourite science fiction franchise, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Ross Webster, and I'm joined by Jen Tift. Hello, Jen. Hey, Ross. How's it going? How's it going? Uh, it's all right. <laughs> it's not too bad. How are you? Good. Living the dream. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, my home is my palace, and given that I'm not allowed to leave it, thank, thank God. Thank God I've got so many beautiful rooms to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah change of scenery is always good right at least we've got windows we can look out yeah. see the season move god this is a real fun beginning isn't it this is it's like two people trapped in a small space there's a theme here isn't there this is this is thematic. Oh, it is perfect for this time yeah uh, my um my my saddest story of um quarantine on we, I guess, is when um, a kite got stuck in a tree. Like somebody's colorful kite got stuck in one of our trees, and I could see it out my window. And it was like a sign that the there were still other people in the world. Oh my god, this is like a black and white French film. <laughs> I know. And like, I can't tell you how sad I felt that like this stupid kite was giving me <laughs> the only. <laughs> feelings i had in days and days oh you know? and i watched it and and it, it was really tall i mean I, I have some really tall tall trees in my yard and um and you know it was, it's one of those things like you'll never get it like you know what i mean but eventually eventually the wind we got a big windstorm and it blew away and it was so sad and all that's left is the impression on your memory right. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> lockdown memories it's like that is so sad that is really sad what is happening oh my God. what have i become <laughs> i should write a poem about that you i feel should. like i, I feel know. like this needs more this you need to explore this i, the, I should it would help me work through some of my quarantine feelings oh <laughs> all right on We've, that note what are we doing today you basically lost it right <laughs> 
Oh, man. Okay. A fitting story for these episodes, though. I know, completely, completely. <laughs> okay. Some kind of game? I've never seen that one before. How do you play? During each snap trick, we compare the episodes using a variety of categories, and we select a line or alien or scene or prop which we think is excellent, and we award a point to the answer we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. Snaptrek is a competition, but it's played just for fun. There are no prizes or trophies, and the real aim is to have a great conversation about Star Trek and perhaps think about the episodes in a new way. We would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Snaptrek. Please send us your ideas for episode comparisons and for any categories we could use. And of course, send us your Star Trek lyrical recaps or any Star Trek poetry, haiku, limericks, rhymes or verse. Um, you can get in touch with me, Taborg at strtrk1701, also on Twitter. And Jen? I'm on Twitter also. I'm at edetquarks. Okay. In this episode, we find ourselves adrift in space with only a slim chance of rescue. As time and oxygen run out, we reveal a few home truths and get to know our crewmates a little more intimately. I was lucky enough to watch Enterprise Series 1, Episode 16, Shuttle Pod 1. And Jen? And I was lucky enough to watch Voyager Season 4, Episode 3, Day of Honor. And this was a good comparison because actually Day of Honor is quite a space. There's quite a lot of space in Day of Honor. Yeah. So like actually the, the bit where they're lost in space is only the last sort of third, but it does really nicely compare with what goes on in Shuttle Pod 1. Yeah, so, the things that happen to them when they're <laughs> when they're in space are very, very similar. Very and also similar, the, the, uh, the general Star Trek tropes as well that sort of right. go, go yeah. all the way through all Star Trek episodes that we can always <laughs> compare. Um, there's some good ones there. Okay. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. As ever, we begin with a lyrical recap of the episodes under discussion. Jen, would you like to give us your lyrical recap for Day of Honor? Sure. All right. So there a lot of a lot of stuff happens in this episode. This is a pretty so much <laughs> jam-packed episode. Yes. But everything that happens just boils down to one important character moment for Bellana. This whole episode exists just to give her that one uh, little bit of character development. So I went really simple here and I just did a haiku. Do it. All right. My day of honor shall be met with bravery and missions of love. That's it. That was really good. <laughs> That's the whole point of the episode. <laughs> so that is really tight. I loved it. That was Thank a great. You. That was a great haiku. Boiled it down, you know, to the essence. Yeah, no, that was really like <laughs> power. That was a power haiku. I loved it. That Thanks. was fantastic. All right, I'd love to hear what you did with Shuttlepod One. Okay, so the idea for this poem got away with me, but I did. <laughs> I, I love to hear that. <laughs> I've, I've reined it in quite a lot, and this okay. is it. The, it sort of makes sense. I mean, when you hear it, you figure out. <laughs> right. Okay. This poem is called The One. Ooh. One fine day, 
One Piece, NX01, One Foot in the Grave, Shuttlepod 1, One Hit Wonder, Hole in One, One Moment in Time, Rogue One, The One That Got Away, One Night Stand, Baby One More Time. (laughs) One Ring to Rule Them All, One Ring to Find Them, One Born Every Minute, One Flew Over the Cookie's Nest. Fahrenheit 451, One for Sorrow, Ready Player One, 100 Years of Solitude. Angel One, One Good Turn Deserves Another, You're the One That I Want, Two Become One, Friendship One. Wow. (laughs) It's so weird. I didn't even make sense of it as I'm reading it out. I've broadly put it into chorus, into verses, but... (laughs) I love though that it's it's the stream of consciousness, the oxygen deprivation. (laughs) You know, it's just string together all the ones. At least, at least our characters could use that excuse. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Right. How long did it take you to come up with all those those uh, examples? Honestly, I had a massive. So for over days, I've been like writing stuff down. Like, oh yeah, that's one. That that's a you know that's. Oh, I love that. Yeah, just down. Getting like songs or poems or films that have that in or sayings, uh, and then it. I spread them all down, spread them all. It was a proper artistic endeavor. Yeah, I've been moving them around, cool. shifting them about. Every time I deleted one, I was like, "Oh, should I? Should I get rid of that one? Is that is that too good to get rid of?" Um, Got to keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, I just boiled it down to the very best ones, the Wonderful. very best ones. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, I love it. All right. Okay, let's do this. All right, Ross, what's our first category? Where are we going first? Since one, (laughs) category one one. belongs to Ross. (laughs) Where are we going? Well, let's start with where the story goes. Let's go with the way mission objective. All right. All right, day of honor. I mean, where's like you said, a lot, the space stuff happens towards the end of the episode, so uh, there's a lot of plot to get through before we actually get to our away mission, and we'll so we'll talk a little bit about how we got there later. <laughs> uh, but for now, the important thing to know is this is Bolana and Tom Harris in a shuttle trying to retrieve the warp core that had to be ejected. So love when there's a warp core ejection. <laughs> uh, we had one in this episode. It makes it a special episode in my, in my book. So they, so Janeway sends them on the away mission to try to retrieve it uh, because the Voyager can't go to, to find it because they they don't even have impulse engines after after the the incident that led to the warp core ejection they don't even have impulse engines blonde is like i can maybe give you some couple thrusters and that's it so they're kind of mm-hmm. stuck where they are and they send uh send those two away in the shuttle uh to try to retrieve the warp core and they manage to find it um, but there is a competing interest <laughs> for the warp core and they run into the Katati who are trying to tractor it and they're trying to put it in a tractor beam. 
Um, and, and, you know, Bellana in true Bellana fashion, you know, ye- you know, yelling at them, like you, it, it, she calls them idiots. I don't remember. She does that. Like, to the <laughs> or after, but, uh, apparently the warp core is unstable. So if you try to tractor, that could lead to an explosion too. It needs to be stabilized before, uh, you try to put a tractor beam on it. Um, so Bellana tries to disrupt their beam and, they send an antimatter pulse back and, you know, some kind of feedback loop. And that is what ends up destroying the shuttle. Oh, the Cochrane. Yeah, the Cochrane. R.I.P. to the yeah, Cochrane. One of yeah. the 10,000 Voyager shuttles. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, yeah, and their comm systems are down. They manage to get into environmental suits and beam out right before the explosion. And that's where we end up. So, yeah. So the away mission starts out. I mean, it's it's not a typical away mission, but it's also something that shouldn't have led to the explosion of a <laughs> of a shuttle. No. Uh, just to, to retrieve the warp core. It wasn't for the, um, the pirates trying I to thought- claim it for themselves. I thought Tom's sarcasm was very funny when they arrive and the Katati say, "This is a sa- we're, we're here on a salvage operation," and he says, oh, "What a coincidence! That's what we're here to do." <laughs> right. That was very good. That was very Tom. Yeah, it was very Tom. Yeah, yeah. Tom was very Tom throughout this entire episode. Yeah, he was. I think he had. <laughs> I think. I think he had to be because you needed to see why. Why yeah. Bellana was in love with him, like. Well, I was gonna say he was very Tom, the good and the bad traits. Yeah, of yes, yes, He's yes. A, you get the full range, and that's that's important, you know. If, if you if you love someone, oh uh, yeah, you got to take the good with the bad. And uh, this this one shines through in both <laughs> in both ways. So yeah, so that's their away mission. That's where we. That's where all the drama starts. And that I mean that away <laughs> mission's massive. That's a lot of, uh, f- yeah. for me. They've sent two people in one shuttle to get the warp core. That's like, send more. Yeah. Send a couple more. Send four, five or six. You can spare right. more people to go and get that warp core. That is essential. You ain't going nowhere yeah, without it. Right. This is like an important away mission. This is yeah. the most important away mission. <laughs> you, yeah, you think you'd uh, send some backup. That's a good point. Well, and also, I don't know. Like, I, I also don't know like how heavy is a warp core. That uh, I, I mean, I don't know if that matters with tractor beams. Like, <laughs> I suppose in space, weight is all relative, isn't it? There's, yeah, you know, yeah, there is no, there's no mass is still there, but to move it, you don't only know. Take a yeah. Little, yeah, only takes. I don't a know how powerful push. the sh- the shuttle tractor beams are. That's right. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't need as much <laughs> force, but who knows? Comparatively, shuttle pod one. Has Reed and Tucker have taken the eponymous shuttle in order to test its targeting scanners, for which they need to be at least twenty thousand kilometers from Enterprise, which is otherwise mapping an asteroid field. Uh, alas, during the third trial of the of the sensors, they received a quote brief but sizable jolt, which quote totally fried the sensor array requiring them to return to Enterprise, their Enterprise rendezvous earlier. Um, so it's actually a fairly standard mission. Something minorly technical has gone wrong. Um, but it's when they return to the rendezvous, they see that sort of panel of the Enterprise uh, on 
on the asteroid. Yeah. And it really struck me that how dangerous it is to send two guys out in a shuttle at impulse in the middle of nowhere because they they would never be able to get anywhere, at least in a, a, a shuttle, at least in the Cochrane, potentially Balana and Tom could travel to a planet because it can travel at warp speeds. Whereas they, they're in the middle of nowhere and they're like 20,000 kilometers away. I'll see you later. Like, wow, that yeah. is scary dangerous. Yeah, in the best circumstances too. And this is this is so much earlier. Too. Yeah. There's so much less... Uh... <laughs> You know, this space is less full of, you know, people that could pick up hitchhikers. You know, completely, <laughs> completely. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the best, if everything had gone right, this is just those two alone in a, in this little shuttle for days and days. And that, I, <laughs> I mean, think about this episode where nothing went wrong, and they still could have done an odd couple episode with yeah, those two. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not really an away, yeah, it's not an away mission I'd really want to go on. <laughs> but it seems pretty routine they're you know yeah. i guess they're the right people you know that for this kind of thing i mean they're this both kind of they're all four of them are completely brave but wow yeah yeah Sca- scared me all those away missions yeah 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 i wouldn't want to yeah i mean i mean being away from that huge ship with all the luxuries in like a little coffin side you know <laughs> The, yeah, floating in space, <laughs> and they're yeah, tiny. No. The, those tiny, those yeah, shuttles really are tiny. minute. Yeah. Can you imagine just being like, "Yeah, we're just going to travel around." Even the shuttle pod one shuttle, yeah, that's that's not a deep space shuttle. That's a shuttle that takes you from the ship to the surface of the planet. That right. you should not be traveling <laughs> in interstellar space in that pod. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, it seems pretty dinky. I, I mean, I guess it's it's. I mean, it did survive the micro singularities. Uh, just a little bit of yeah, with just a little bit of know, mashed potato, problem. Love that engineering solution. Yeah, that was brilliant. But, uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess it's it's pretty heavy duty, but still. Then again, yeah. I mean, even now, like the like a sum a submarine, if, to me would feel the you know the similar. <laughs> Co- yeah. Someone really coffinish. Yeah, <laughs> totally claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, but I guess they're you know made to survive those conditions. Of course, I mean I can't even but... contemplate leaving the house, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely in. All right, Where, where's your point? Where's your point going for away mission objective? Well, you know, it's it's I'm actually even into shuttle pod one because I, of the reasons that that you were saying that I think that's that's very interesting that they that this is kind of a routine thing is you just try you're, you're doing these tests and this is the kind of thing you do um versus uh versus in day of honor it's really just you know we go go get the thing we dropped <laughs> it's got you know <laughs> kind of fixing a mistake it's 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 obviously something that you go on less frequently but it's i think it's braver and more interesting that it would, they were actually on a mission. Oh um, yeah, like, like days and days. So I, I'm going to give that point to Shellpod one. Okay, uh, I am going to. I think I'm going to give mine to Balana and Tom, just because <laughs> of the sheer scale of what they were asked to do. You know, Jane was um, like, just just hop in a shuttle and make sure we're not stranded <laughs> in the Delta Quadrant for the rest of our lives. Like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Impulse power. Yeah. <laughs> 
okay. So I just found that like so overwhelming. But at least yeah, they had their know, top they yeah. had the top engineers there in both in both cases. Yes. So they were probably gonna get so they were probably gonna be fine either way, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, they okay. didn't need the, their engineers. I mean, there should always be an engineer. There should always be an engineer. There should always be a doctor. On you sound totally mission. biased there when you said that. <laughs> there, should, there should always be a speech therapist on hand. <laughs> always absolutely vital. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta keep ourselves employed, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, you think, yeah. I, the minimum crew of two is, is always an interesting construct. It always, sets, it always sets up such a delightful episode, though, doesn't it? it? There are so many episodes where they just had amazing one-on-one shuttle pod conversations. Yeah. Well, and you can think about the opposite direction, direction too, because you could. It should be just like taking a road trip to them, I guess. Yeah. You know, because I always think about when like it was just Picard and Wesley, wherever they, I forget where they were going. They were going to oh, get Picard's was, heart, weren't they? He was going right. to get his heart, and, and he was off to Starfleet Academy. The test. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just like, that's just like, like a buddy road trip <laughs> kind yeah. of deal, which I guess is, is, yeah, to them, taking a shuttle through deep space kind of is just a road trip. And just normal, part of the course. Yeah, I don't take like a, an engineer with, an extra engineer or an extra medical doctor with me. <laughs> no, every time I hop onto the, <laughs> just hop onto the train. Get on the parkway. Yeah. Yeah, can you imagine talking to our ancestors hundreds of years ago and they're like, yeah. you know, we, I want to travel to America. Well, it'll take you six months. You know, <laughs> I hope I hope you've got all your teeth and you're in robust good health. Otherwise, you might not make this journey. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, I can drive somewhere, you know, at 80 miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I can be there. By myself. Yeah. <laughs> I can change a tire, you know, like, like, I guess, I guess the maintenance on a shuttle to them is like, like we can like change a tire or, you know, whatever. We can get, <laughs> change yeah, I suppose it's just the same stuff, isn't it? It's the same stuff. Yeah, I guess to them it's the same stuff. Although, um, you know, it's a step beyond, isn't it? Because at least a, a tire is almost, it's mechanical, isn't it? When it becomes electronic, it's like a tire yeah. I could change, an iPad, I cannot fix an iPad. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's broken. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right. So we're tied up after, after, the first after round. round one. It's one all. I love it. Okay. Okay. So, well, so I alluded to based on, um, on the away mission objective and day of honor that there was a work core ejection. So let's move on. Let's for, so for round two, let's go to most excellent engine ejection. Lovely. Most excellent engine ejection. Very nice. Okay. What you got? This is towards the end of the episode. Reed and Tucker have discovered the Enterprise has not been destroyed, in fact. And in a desperate attempt to signal the ship, they eject the impulse drive and uh, detonate it, causing a reasonably sizable explosion. Trip does require a bit of convincing to discharge the engine, and he says he's an engineer. He's not going to just blow up the only engine they've got. But the other side of the argument is we've got nothing else. You know, we're about to run out of air. They either see this and they come and get us, or they don't see it and we die. And he, you know, the decision to do this happens in about 
I don't know, probably 30 seconds from the idea being produced to the scene of the of the of the the engine being detached and exploding. About 30 seconds passes. So it was done in a matter of, of seconds. I did think it was pretty cool to see the entire back of the shuttle pod detach and yeah. explode. I thought that was a really nice bit of graphics. And I love it when you see like you get an idea of how a starship works. Because, yep. you know, you could look at a shuttle pod all day and not know which bit is which. But now we know that that bit is the impulse engine. And I love getting those little details and those little bits of, oh, this is this is how the real, real world Star Trek is. Um, <laughs> right. And, you know, the living quarters, the bits they're in are in the other part of that shuttle. I love doing that stuff. Yeah, uh, same here. It's like, oh, that, that's, what the, that's what an impulse engine looks like. Cool. Yeah, that's it. And I was like, oh, it's so small. But I suppose it is like a third of the ship. Yeah, and it made it. You're right. It did make a pretty impressive explosion too. So yeah. I mean, you see how they might they would have been able to pick that up on their sensors. Uh, yeah, or, so, or, you know. <laughs> I, I I thought that was a nice. It was a nice idea, and they did the whole all the way through the episode. They're doing that nice, you know, payoff. You know, we're doing this yeah. for this payoff. You know, if we switch off the heating, we'll get another half a day. So they're like, all right, right brilliant. Uh, you know, they're doing those, playing those payoffs all the way through the episode. And I thought this was a great one as well because this is their Hail Mary, all or nothing. We right. do this and it works or it doesn't work. And that is it. Right. Yeah, I, I love it. It kind of reminds me of, of Spock's decision in um, Galileo 7 when he decides to uh, to ignite... Um, all the, whatever he does. Yeah, the fuel. <laughs> yeah, when he all the fuel. They haven't got enough yeah. to get into the atmosphere, but if they ignite all the fuel, it might get a scene. Yeah, yeah. And it just right takes that last, that last Hail Mary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's good. And, and it's the same thing, like Kirk, of course, and, and Archer, of course, you know, rescue their... <laughs> oh, yeah, they're one true loves. <laughs> they get those they get those guys back. <laughs> get those guys back together. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and it's funny too because Reed's like, uh, you know, Trip Trip needs convincing, and 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 Reed's like, but can you do it? And he's like, well, yeah, of course I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, oh yeah, of course I can explode in it. Oh, I've got some <laughs> micro detonators right here. Right. Why, why do you need those? You're you're on a sensor. T- I suppose if you're testing <laughs> sensors, you might need to blow something up to see if it gets sensed. I mean, ba- I mean, based on all the Star Trek that I've seen, they need to blow random things up quite frequently. So yeah, true. I mean, those ration kits—they probably Standard. come with all sorts of stuff in them. There's probably all sorts of stuff in them. I mean, I guess you know. I guess if they had like, I don't know, some kind of rescue flare. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that would have flare. been more. There's no. Well, I suppose you know. There's no way we can get in touch because they'll never see us. We'll just be a blip on their screen. Right. It's like, well, there's no way you can alternate that blip to make it out like, oh, yeah, there's a problem here. I mean, even um, Belana and Tom, they had to do something weird yeah. to uh, get their get their message out. Yeah, yeah, they 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 do something. They send out a pulse. They they have to uh, connect their. They have to interplex. Suit. They have to interplex. <laughs> I really, I was like, God, they're interplexing it. Okay, that must be that must yeah. be important. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah and that yeah and they send that signal hoping Voyager will he will hear them, um yeah okay but as far as our 
excellent engine ejection goes in Day of Honor. Like I said, we've got a warp core ejection. That's always that, awesome. That's a big deal, man. <laughs> you can't underestimate a warp core reduction, a warp core ejection. You can't. It's 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 always it's always exciting when that happens. Um, this is this is poor Bolana's worst day of her life. She says she's she, having a she's really really bad day, day, isn't she? Yeah, she really is, and this is just the final straw. But th- this is them. This is an experiment, actually. Um, we're experimenting too in Day of Honor. We're they're they're experimenting with opening a transwarp conduit because now they had this is this is one of Seven of Nine's first episodes. This is episode mm. three of season four, so we're still not really confident. I when I say we, like Bolana is not really confident of. <laughs> of seven's motives uh and things like this and and seven asks for um an assignment a duty assignment she asks jacote to be you know for duty assignment she wants to go to engineering and and jacote and and balana's not (laughs) excited by that prospect (laughs) to say the least but uh but he 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 doesn't give her a choice you know so but 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 then you know they say okay well the borg use these transwarp conduits maybe that can help us Maybe we can experiment and figure out a way to, to use that to get us home quicker. So this experiment they do, they're going to open up a transport conduit, get some sensor data, um, you know, just real quick, just just to you know, <laughs> yeah, just, just to tease it, you know, not not you know, this shouldn't have been like a big thing, <laughs> uh, but they they have to go to warp so they can create the subspace field that they need, and there's a you know they have to energize the tachyon matrix. <laughs> <laughs> all that fun techno babbly stuff um you know and, and they move to a higher energy band yeah <laughs> which is fun because it's, it's scary it's, stuff yeah 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 so i guess they're you know you're playing around with the warp core that's that's always gonna be you know there's always gonna be some risk there uh but what happens is some um, tachyon particles leak into the propulsion system and f- start flooding the warp core and that's yeah, yeah. what leads to the <laughs> the instability, uh, so you know they tried to nuke. They, they, it's 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 you know classic like evacuate engineering and and Bolana's gonna stay and try to do some heroics and Tom stays with her. Which oh is, yeah, of course, she, very he can't cute. order her out. Yeah, yeah, she can't order him because he outranks her. So he stays, and they you know let oh, yeah. let's try to to decouple the dilithium matrix. Of course, that's what you try. Apparently, <laughs> first thing I thought of. Exactly right. So to try to neutralize the core, and and it doesn't work. And 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 Blana keeps wanting to try one more thing, and and Tom's like, "We gotta go. They're running out of time. It's gonna blow." And, and you know, and they leave, and 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 just, you know, as soon as the door is closed, she's she ejects the core, and she tells the computer to eject the core, and uh, and it's you know, it's pretty, it's it's always pretty um, pretty satisfying to watch that huge stick of antimatter. And whatever else is involved in the warp core, just plunge out the bottom of the ship. Um, you see, it really is. It really is gigantic. It, it, it's like as tall as the ship. And then it just, you know, it's got a special little shoot and it, and it shoots out and it, it's kind of cute. It like tumbles through space a little bit here instead of just going straight down. It like does a little tumble. <laughs> yeah. uh, they do so well. I absolutely love it. Well, and I love it too. It ha- it's different every time. Every time we see a warp core injection, oh, yeah. <laughs> which I mean, which you kind of expect. It's just you know, I mean, basic 
chaos theory. <laughs> Even you know, when I, when you, you throw something out the chute, it's not going to go the same way every time. Um, but it, so it's it's always fun to watch, and you know, and then she, you know, she tells Janeway she has to dejectedly get on her comm and tell Janeway we've dumped the core, and she's obviously bummed. <laughs> You, know? I mean, you, you would be, wouldn't you? Because <laughs> she's done a, she's done a, she's on the trip. I've just tried like the worst thing. That that engine yeah. that you wanted me to maintain, I just bend it. <laughs> yeah, that's the like the worst thing that could happen yeah. to an engineer. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. They get it back, so it's not. I was gonna say it's like a three mile island. It's like a meltdown, but it's not quite that bad because they can salvage it. <laughs> somehow and repair it at least they get it back somehow they can stabilize it and get it back in the problem is it's probably as easy as just reversing the polarity of the tachyon matrix exactly (laughs) (laughs) why didn't i think of that (laughs) so but it's 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 always it was it's exciting to watch it was an exciting scene there's lots going on and you know and whenever everything went wrong, it went wrong quickly, and they didn't have very much time. That's always fun. And, yeah, you know, it was try, good. All kinds of little things, and she's waving her tricorder at the <laughs> at the warp core, you know. And Tom Paris is pressing buttons, and you know, it's just and it's fun. Yeah. So that was that was the warp core ejection. Okay, right. what most excellent engine ejection? I have to say, just for this, I mean, the drama of it was. The, the drama was all in the Voyager episode, wasn't it? It was It was much less... It was almost perfunctory at this point that they were going to blow something up uh, yeah. in the Shuttle Pod 1. They had nothing else to do. Uh, but here, things were happening. They were trying to get this uh, transport conduit online. Things were going off, and they're doing that, you know, they're making those big changes, and you're getting the back and forth between Tom and Bellana as well, because it's still a bit frosty between them. Um, so uh, my yeah. point's got to go to... To Day of Honor. Ooh, I'm I'm torn on this one because I don't think we've I don't think we've ever seen another impulse engine be ejected ever or no, blown up or anything maybe like not. that. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty unique event in Star Trek. Whereas we you know we see lots of warp core ejections. Oh uh, yeah, ten of um, those things. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Something that happens. <laughs> um, oof. So. I don't know. I think I'm, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to shuttle pod one. Cause I like that they did something different, but I mean, you're right. Like that's, that's your last thing that you try is you blow something up and hope someone sees you like, yeah. when you're stranded. <laughs> but it was a, it was a unique, um, it was unique to, to the technology that we have. I've never, we've never seen that happen. No, before. absolutely so not. That was cool. That was cool. I like that. So, whereas I do I do enjoy a good warp core ejection, I'm going with the impulse drive for this one. I don't think we've ever done this before. <laughs> Alternated, you know, chosen the other person yeah. twice in a row. This is great. All right. I but still, after, after round two, it's two all. Two up. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Where are we going for round three? So, now that we have ejected our excellent engines... Let's think about what's happening now that things are going wrong. Uh, do we get any clash of personalities? Ooh, that's a good category. What do you especially have? For, mm-hmm. Especially for a Bolana episode. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay. So we have, there's a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, like I said, this is Bolana's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And so she's clashing all over the place um, with, with, uh, with several characters. So I'll talk a little bit, be- you know, before we get back into the outer, you know, into the disastrous away mission. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, you know, I'll talk about the disastrous away mission first. Cause it's, it's Bolana and Tom. Um, but, but it's before it's their conflict happens before they, they go on their away mission and then the oh, yeah, resolution yeah. is the away mission. But, but what's going on with them is, you know, he tries to be there for her and he, he tries to be he's very understanding like he's he's you know she basically just snaps at him every time he tries to like try to help her you know and and, and he she snaps at him and he handles it pretty well normal normal i mean that's a normal thing for tom like that's part of their dynamic kind of in the early yeah seasons. and but here he's just like you know what i i'm trying to help there's that's really all I can do if you're just going to keep pushing me away. What am I doing? You know, like, <laughs> so he stands up for himself here, which is good. Yes. And, absolutely. and yeah, cause you can't just be, can't just be her punching back, even though Neelix so graciously offers to be yeah, her. That was back, a weird scene, but which was yeah. a weird scene. <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, so their conflict, you know, I hate, there's always, I always say it takes two to tango, but really, uh, this was just Tom not taking any more of her, of of her crap. (laughs) Yeah, he'd had enough of it. And good good for him, yeah, because he's like, yeah, I, go ahead. Sorry, go for it. No, no, go ahead. You, You could see why he'd, you could see why he would be annoyed she just keeps blowing him off or just giving him grief. And he's trying to be a good friend to her. He really, yeah, he really is. Like he's not being like, she doesn't get mad at him. He, like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say like, like any snarky things and she gets no. mad. This is just totally like, Oh, so how did the day of honor go? How did, you know, <laughs> like normal stuff, normal, like yeah. friend stuff. And, um, and apparently like, like they mentioned, I'll talk about the day of honor program now because, um, Apparently, Tom helped her program it. Like that must have been quite a little bonding experience for them. Yeah, to, to work together. He's doing something really nice for her to help her, you know, get this Day of Honor program running, so she can, you know, have her Klingon rituals and 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 he just wanted to know how it went. That's all. <laughs> and she blew up at him. <laughs> I know. And she's frustrated, you know. But but uh, that's another clash we have is Bolano in the holodeck with with the hollow Klingons. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I really like that bit. And I she, love that she totally held her own as well. They come out with the pain sticks, and she's like, yes. she looked really pained when those pain sticks came out. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they they look pain, painful. Yeah. <laughs> they're aptly na- named, <laughs> but yeah, and and they're such great like cling like stereotypical clans too. They're like, yeah. we're going to eat from the heart of the you know the sanctified targ. Yes, and, you know. And what have you done to uh, prove your honor this year? And you know, it's like a deranged Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> like we, you go this year. That, <laughs> <laughs> Little girl, how did you prove your honor this year? <laughs> oh my god! And, um, yeah, you have to do the the ritual of the twenty pain sticks and and traverse the uh, what do you say the sulfur lagoon. Yeah, that was it. The sulfur lagoon. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and it's great because uh, then she's just like, you know what? No. <laughs> I changed my mind. Like, I didn't want to do before. And then when you described it, it sounded even more ridiculous. I'm not doing this. And that's, you know, and then they come at her with the pain sticks and, and, and then it turns into a fist fight. <laughs> yeah. And it was great to see her like untangle that, you know, pain stick, grab the pain stick, jab someone else with it. I love that bit. And she's, I mean, she's very Klingon in that scene, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she she really, uh, you know, she really holds her own against these guys. And and because she's very formidable. She's a formidable Klingon. She doesn't need, you know, maybe not in tr- the traditional, like, I've slaughtered enemies on the battlefield kind of way. But she is Klingon through and through. Completely. You know? Most Klingons aren't that. That's, that's more just what Klingons want to believe they are, you know? Is the... <laughs> slaughtering their enemies in the battlefield kind of Klingons. Yeah, when he comes to actually but, showing it off, it's a different yeah, story. Yeah. So, so the, those are some clashes. But but for this, what, I picked the Seven and Bolana clashes here. Ooh. Because I just, I just find it endlessly fascinating, the animosity between these two characters. Throughout the, I mean, throughout the season, the the series, like it doesn't, it gets better, but it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like this is mostly Balana uh, here. Um, she's just she's just in a bad mood. She's just in a bad day. Um, she gives it to Chicote too, actually. Yeah, that. but Chicote does not take any grief from her. Right, exactly. He has dealt with her for a long time. He's like, no, it's an order, and you'll do it. How to handle her too, um, but this is this is seven. I, I mean, this is Bolana not wanting seven on on in her engineering. In engineering, she doesn't mm-hmm. want seven there. She doesn't trust her, but it's more than just not trusting her. It's it's more she has animosity to seven as someone who who's a, who's a Borg mm-hmm. who I, I, she. It, she asks Seven if she feels guilty about every, all the people she's assimilated, and like this is this is like Seven's first day in engineering, yeah. And this is like, this is like basically her boss. This is what her, the first thing her boss says to her on her first day on the job, and and um and it's and it's it's really sad that Bolana. This is kind of like. Before we, you know, like we we know it's not before that. I mean, like we know to try to think of the Borg as victims themselves. Yeah, and, and seven, my God, got taken by the Borg when she was what, like six or something. Seven, yeah, seven. Yeah, when she was a really young child. So she's a she's a victim of the Borg, you know, and and seven and and Bolana really doesn't cut her any slack with that throughout the whole series. And she asks her, like I said, she asks her if she feels guilty. And, and Seven's just not playing into Bolana's stuff either. She's just like, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah. What more do you want me to say? Like, what do you what do you want from me? Um, but I kind of, I, the reason I picked this part is just I find it interesting as um, something that they continue through. Like, this is the start of, like, I mean, they continue this throughout. I mean, even in season seven, there's like there's like animosity between the two, and they and they they have their moments. But here, it's kind of like these two strong women should be friends, 
you know? Yeah. It's kind of like an opportunity. You know what? The reason I like this scene, the reason I picked this is they do a comparison scene later between Seven and Tom. And the way Tom reacts to Seven here is is um, after the, the alien that they pick up, you know, yells at seven twos like you're a Borg. What what did you do to my family? That that was quite a heartbreaking and terrifying scene. It's so sad to watch. And and after that, Tom talks to Seven and he's like, you know, I don't care about your past. I'm here to help you. Let me know what I can do. I want to, you know, be your friend. And he and he's zero there's zero creepy Tom here. Like it's not no genuine. Genuine, nice and 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 going to bat for someone in, on his team and he wants to be her friend and then, and it's just interesting that I, if they had made like it's interesting that they gave that to Tom and not Bolana, I guess but I know <laughs> like but it's, I know this is Bolana's horrible worst day of her life but <laughs> but they could have done that in other episodes and they didn't they chose not to they chose to make it more of like a, a fraught relationship yeah I just I just find that interesting I just find it really interesting but um, yeah, but if she had, you know, if she had reacted that way to seven, they could have maybe they could have gotten together and, and figured out, uh, you know, done more experiments yeah, <laughs> and, and figured out something, or, you know, because they're both geniuses, te- technical geniuses. You they, know? they give up this stuff fairly quick, don't they, on Voyager? Once it all goes wrong the first time, they give it up. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> there's the end of our <laughs> transwarp conduit research. Struck warp 10. Nah, didn't work. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then I guess sometimes the consequences are so dire. Yeah, <laughs> Tom like, doesn't want to talk about it. No, no, we're not gonna, we're not bringing this up again. <laughs> oh man! So, what clashes of personalities do you got? Oh my god! It just begins almost immediately in the episode. As soon as the Enterprise, or they believe the Enterprise to be lost. They just begin bickering, the two of them, and it just grows <laughs> and grows and grows. It reaches a peak just before they crack open that bottle of bourbon uh, in response to Reed's annoyance at Trucker's, Trucker's, Tucker's <laughs> treacly optimism. Uh, initially, they argue about which direction to go in when they don't know where to go. Trip wants to go to Echo 3 on a guess based on Malcolm's innate astro-navigation skills. And there's loads of sarcasm and, you know, pointing out why this won't work. They argue about Reed's maudlin and repetitive goodbye letters while Trip is trying to sleep, <laughs> which were both funny and bizarre. Um, but I'll be honest, Reed is so annoying all the way through this episode. He, he is He's the clasher. He's and, the Felix Unger of the Ron Couple. Yeah, exactly. He is the one who instigates the annoying stuff the trip has to deal with. And I'm not sure he's aware of that necessarily, but he is. He's sarcastic yeah. and he's miserable and he's irritating. However, I have chosen a moment where he does actually manage to redeem himself somewhat by using mm-hmm. these annoying tactics on trip. At the very end of the episode, trip realizes if he locks himself in the airlock, he can preserve Malcolm's air for twice as long by only having one person breathing it in. And he goes up to sacrifice himself and lock himself in. And Reed is not having this. He essentially shouts him down. 
and when Trip refuses to listen, he pulls a phaser on Trip and threatens to stun him. Wow. Um, and they shout at each other some more. Then that becomes shouting about whether shouting uses up more oxygen. <laughs> but at the end of it, even if there's a one in a thousand chance that Enterprise is on the way to save them both, Reed will not let Trip go into there and he, into the airlock, and he uses his irritating way about him to make sure that doesn't happen. So they do clash all the way through, and it is funny, and it's funny when they clash, and it's funny when they make up. Sometimes they're friendly, sometimes they're antagonistic, and that's why this episode is so good, because it plays on that really classic trope, and they do it really yeah. well. But I chose a moment where I thought, at least he's using his powers for good. <laughs> rather than evil. <laughs> I love that pick. Cause yeah, because you're right. I mean, they are the odd couple throughout the entire episode. Um, and in that moment though, he he takes a little bit of of the trip optimism, you yeah. know, and he's like, there, you know, let's let this plan that we came up with, our last ditch effort, you know, to blow up the, the impulse engine, let's let's it, see if it works. Yeah. Let's let's see it through. And if there is one in a thousand chance that they saw that. You know, I'd much rather us both you know, uh, be alive. And uh, yeah, and, and he was right. And Trip was just trying to be all, you know, hero-y Trip, like, you know, like he always is. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just Reed was right. and handsome, yeah. And with just the right amount of stubble at the end. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just so good. <laughs> he looks so good. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah, Reed right. should have well, shaved, really. That was his mistake. I, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what was I talking about? I, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> we were just talking about... I can't remember what we were talking about. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Where's your point going for... Oh, uh trip stubble. For, <laughs> no, clash your personalities. Wait, wait, what category is this again? Clash your personalities. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Uh, the sheer volume of personality clashes in Day of Honor has to merit some consideration. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the the clash of personalities in Shuttle Pond One is like kind of the main driver of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> And it, and it's and it's interesting. It's, it's it's interesting too because it's an interesting way to. This is a really early episode. This is season one. Yeah, I and, think season season one of Enterprise is underrated. It's yeah, much, oh, I do too. It's yeah. much better. You disagree? No, I do too. I agree. I yeah. Oh yeah, I, I think it is too. Uh, yeah. There are some really really nice episodes, and uh, what I liked was they did that. So they had that sort of TNG continuity about it, where. Yeah, they'd refer to things that happened in previous episodes. It wasn't massive, but it was just a little yeah. nod to what had happened before. Yeah. There was a bit where Malcolm's writing a letter to his parents, and he <laughs> he is referring to the conversation that Archer had with his parents. Yes, uh, in Silent <laughs> Enemy, and I was like, oh yeah, that's oh, this happened a couple yeah. of episodes ago. Exactly. Yeah, I like that, and, yeah, and I like yeah, that. And, and I like that, that. Like this, they use the personality clashes to between those two to teach us. A, more about both characters. Yes. You know, I it, it really was an effective way to learn uh, about both these guys, uh, for better or for worse. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, for both of them. So I, I really like that. So my point's going to Shuttlepad 1. 
I I did like the clash of personalities in. I mean, it is all about a clash of personalities in in Day of Honor as well. But it's about why why is Balana like that? You know, what's going on? Is there something happening? Right. Is is there something beyond you know that she needs to sort of deal with or get off her chest? Whereas in in Shuttlepod One, it's just two people who shouldn't be in close proximity for a very long time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think. Like they is, bond it though. This, they do. So. <laughs> oh, totally. They totally bond. Bonding um, experience. <laughs> but at the end of it, it the the clash. The episode is all about the clash of personalities, and yeah. Dave Honor has that too. But you're right. It, it's all about it's all about Shuttlepod One and that clash, and it's it's so good. It's just a sheer delight to watch. So I am going to give it to Shuttlepod One as well. All right. So Shuttlepod 1's up now. It Shuttle is. Shuttlepod 1 has four and Day of Honor has two. But it's only round three. There's still there's still plenty of time for all things to change. Yeah. Oh, I did want to... Talking about the clash of the personalities, I want to mention um, Reed is, is reading Ulysses. Oh, my God. And can I tell you, like, that book is the only book that I've never been able to conquer. Like, it is sitting... Like, I just can't, it's so, like, awful. Like, I, I can't get into it. It's It mocks me from my bookshelf. I've been trying to read this thing for, you know, 30 years or however long. Yeah, I, I, bought um, a copy of, I bought a copy of Ulysses in Dublin, and I have never even opened it. <laughs> and I've, I've... I mean, you should try. I've read other... Who, who, wrote, who wrote Ulysses? I was going right James Joyce. James Joyce. Right? I've read other books by James Joyce. Yes, and me enjoyed too. That. I've read, yeah, I've read Finnegan's Wake, and I've been, you know, yeah. But I've never, but, I've never even cracked the cracked the spine on that I, book. <laughs> I admit, I tried, and I've given up. I just can't, like, I just can't get through it, and it's been mocking me for thirty years. So I, tell you, I, I, tell you. I so like, of course, Reed is just casually reading Ulysses, <laughs> like a little. He's not casually. <laughs> Uh, he wants to. He's reading it to show off to trip. Yes. <laughs> that's such a, no offense, but that's a very British way to show off. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, that's why I bought the book just so I could hold it in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> the book that I, the book that ne- that I've never conquered, that I always think about in the same vein is the Silmarillion by Tolkien. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I cannot get through the Silmarillion. And I've tried a couple of times to read that book. Yeah, I yeah I read that one. I haven't in, and didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I guess a couple of it. people I spoke to, my wife and a few of my friends, have been like, "Oh yeah, I read that. It was all right." I'm like, How did you manage yeah. to get through? <laughs> Some of the chapters are just so mind-numbingly dire. Oh, I was like, oh yeah, no, I really so enjoged it. Got through it. Yeah. No, I couldn't do it. That's Ulysses for me. And and so I hear you. And then um I just thought it was funny that he chose that book because I'm like, of course. And then and then Trip says, um, I'd rather realign every microcircuit on the shuttle than read that book. I love as well that he references like, oh, Superman. He's like, Have you read any Superman? Yes. I'm like, oh, yeah. I've read a bit myself, actually. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> So read like man. Read reads. <laughs> read reads. <laughs> but you're right. That I, I guess you're because I, I was like, oh, that's what he likes to read. But I guess you're right. He is trying to do it just to like seem 
intelligent yeah. because then he goes off on this diatribe about how much smarter people in Europe are than in North America. <laughs> yeah, which is obviously Come not on. true, given that most oh, of the crew are North American, it seems to me. <laughs> well, it's fine. Uh, okay, have some pride in your continent. All right. But then, you know, we, we did uh, invent the warp core. <laughs> He's from Montana. Montana. Like, he likes ew, rock and Montana. roll music. <laughs> of course, if English people had invented the warp core, the Vulcan touchdown would have been to the you know the tunes of oh, some I don't know Bach or something. <laughs> <laughs> some Handel. But a lot more cultured. Oh, know. definitely. <laughs> the gates of Canterbury Cathedral. <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend that uh, Zephram Cochran was uh, <laughs> was a was a fancy dude or anything. But, <laughs> but oh, it's just it's just such a funny like conversation to start. That basically starts off the episode too. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, well, that is irritating, isn't it? The fir- the first thing right. he does is annoy you. Right, right. And then you think, oh, I've got to spend two more days on the shuttle with this guy until we rendezvous with Enterprise, yeah. and then all the <laughs> shit hits the fan. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's getting much worse than that. But yeah, they deserve they deserve the clash of the personality points. Yeah, all <laughs> right. Sure. All right, let's move on. Round four. All right. So for category four... Let's see. So, so we, we we have a good handle on what's going on with our away missions here, but what's happening meanwhile back at the ranch? <laughs> I absolutely love this as a title for a category. I think it's great. Um, meanwhile, back at the ranch on Enterprise, there is a very interesting B plot involving micro singularities. Which I'll be honest, it's a micro B plot. It barely gets a look in. <laughs> Uh, it's really just a sort of, sh- yeah, a, a mention to show that Enterprise is fine and right. look out, there are micro-singularities that are blowing stuff up and then we immediately cut to a scene whereby Trip and Malcolm encounter one. Um, they're scary. Uh, I mean, as an idea, they're, they're brilliant. I, and yeah. the scene where Maybe they actually encounter them, one right? is just so phenomenally funny and yeah. potentially lethal. I mean... Yeah. Something microscopic has gone through the ship, depleting all their oxygen, um, and left two holes. I love the scene where they don't know where the holes are, so they <laughs> fill it with some sort of gas. Then yeah. they just watch where the gas is leaving the ship. And they just put their fingers over it. I just thought like, that is brilliant. I love that scene. Old-fashioned so, way to solve a problem, right? And then they cover <laughs> the holes in mashed potato till they can figure out a way to seal them properly. Anyway, this is that. That is the A story. Back on the ranch, Archer is dismissing micro-singularities as a Vulcan myth. He even refers to them as gremlins and says there's no evidence they exist at all. So this is like the total opposite of the like the Vulcan opinion on time travel. Uh, T'Pol argues that it's no myth and that, in fact, three micro-singularities have impacted Enterprise. Archer cuts her off. Even in the face of this magnificent scientific discovery, he's more interested in rescuing his two absent crew members. And that's it. That is the entire what happens back at the ranch. Uh, it, it's, it's nice. It's funny. It doesn't sound very Jonathan Archer to me. He's all about opening up to the possibilities and, you know, 
it's weird that they were having it this way around. Because I'd, yeah. I'd have had in my mind this conversation would have gone the other way around. He says it's a micro singularity. She says the Vulcan Science Director has, has uh, issued <laughs> a directive that these don't exist. Right. But it went the other way around, and it was fine. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the, like the old engineering terminology, like calling them gremlins. And yeah. then immediately we cut to where one is destroying Shuttle Pod One. Brilliant, loved it. Yeah, and of course Archer wants to get back to his uh, bring his boyfriend back to the yeah, ship. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's getting <laughs> bored. Focused on yeah, um, his boy trip. But yeah, no, but I, I like I like it. It was a very succinct way to let us know like what happened. Like, yeah, what we're looking because I, I always forget. Because I've seen these episodes a million times, I always forget that we actually like when they see just like th- this wreckage and this part of the enterprise, we don't know what the story is. No, you know, like at first, and then they cut back and 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 tell us what happened. And oh, the you know we rescued these guys. Uh, I forget what their names were and. And they're, you know, but they did it in an interesting way. It's like, oh, well, they can breathe our oxygen, but they need this kind of air. Oh, the, the Pesnians. They need boron gas. Boron. Don't know why I remember that. <laughs> I thought they were called Testians for the entire episode. I was like, God, they called them Testians. That's awful. But they called them, <laughs> when I went on to Memory Alpha, it was Tesnians. Tesnians, <laughs> okay. That's a little bit of a better alien name. Yeah. <laughs> better than Testians. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> But the micro singularities, like the, that's that's an interesting idea. What did she say? They're, they're like little mini black holes. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah, like, where do they come from? Where do like do they ever coalesce? Like do they? You know what I mean? Like do they get bigger? Do they like what? <laughs> I, I want to know more. <laughs> I love the idea of like yeah, a singularity is like a, a somewhere you can go into or come out of as well. Like you know, yeah. inside you can do anything. Like, oh. So that you go in a black hole and come out a different size in a microscopic singularity. Right. So a micro singularity. So all the stuff, like, so the holes it put in the shuttle. So now is that shuttle material like trapped in that little black hole? Yeah. And therefore is it getting bigger? And would a micro singularity be less powerful than an actual singularity? Yeah. Because presumably if it's, yeah, if it's pulling stuff in, (laughs) it is cool. But they don't, I mean, it's it's barely, it's nary touched on. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, <laughs> techno-babble way to talk about what's going on. To give them that great scene of <laughs> the mashed potatoes. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's a good, that that's a good pick. That's a good pick. That's the only pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that, that's what's happening on the NX-01. Meanwhile, back at the ranch on the USS Voyager we've got our own problems related to to the away mission you got the the katati the the guys who they we saw them earlier in the episode their planet had been assimilated by the borg so they're in, in bad shape um and they don't have very many resources so janeway gives them as much as they can as she can you know and and they they go on their way and they think that's the end of it um, but these guys <laughs> are pretty crafty and, and they're the ones who found the warp core. Uh, and they, you know, they, they, uh, tractor beam it away and they use it as a way to try to blackmail Janeway to give them more stuff. Not happy about that, really. Yeah. 
which is a real bummer. Um, they come back, you know, it was one ship before, but they, they, they have 27 ships. So they basically come with like an armada <laughs> of their ships and they're decimated, but you know, 27 of, of their ships when, when Voyager can't even really move anywhere is, you know, more yeah, of a that's threat. A big deal. Than, yeah. Than, than it could have been. Um, so they're trying to figure out what to do with that. And meanwhile, also, they're trying to figure out what happened during the experiment that led to the warp core ejection. So they're, they're doing the, um, the analysis of, of that, um, of the accident. And Janeway basically interrogates Seven about it. Because, again, he doesn't yeah. know. She has to consider the possibility that maybe, for some reason, Seven sabotaged um the experiment and you know and i mean it was, it was her first time doing anything in engineering and they had to eject the warp core like it's a possibility you have to at least consider yeah, <laughs> I get that um you know and and she tries you know she talks to seven about it and seven says like seven says she's not involved and she's like i don't even know understand the idea of lying because you can't really lie when you're in a collective, you know, if everyone can hear all your thoughts, you can't really lie about them. Um, so Janeway pretty quickly gets over that and says she believes seven and then they science together and they have a really nice little time sciencing together to figure out what exactly did happen. And there's some techno babble reason of why the accident happened. Um, so during all this, <laughs> um, you know when, when they're trying to figure out about what to do about the Katadi, um, all the all this stuff happens, and and Seven kind of gets more comfortable with being part of the Voyager crew, you know, um, and and she she offers to give herself up to the Katadi because one of the things they want is 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 her because you know obviously they they you know how they feel mm-hmm. about the board. Yeah. Some kind of vengeance and they, you know, and, and Janeway dismisses that. She's like, we're not doing that. Um, and then she, and then seven saves the day because she's like, Oh, well they need thorium isotopes, you know, to run their systems. And I have a way that they can create all the thorium isotopes they need. <laughs> you know? And she's like, well, why don't you tell us that sooner? <laughs> that might've been. Yeah. Really useful. Really useful information. And this is part of seven's development because, because, you know, she's in her defense to that. She says, um, well, you know, as a Borg, giving away technology was never something that we did. You know, we acquire technology and give it away. And, yeah, and you know, and- so she had to like reteach herself, like how to even, you know, like, like that, that would have been pertinent information that that was something that she should have done. Um, and she does. And she gives them the technology they need and they give them back their work core. <laughs> Um, and meanwhile, they realize that they're not getting uh, any signal. Um, Tom and Blana aren't responding to hails, and and they you know see the signal they sent, and they go after them, and and it's a just in the nick of time situation, <laughs> yes. you know, um, in Day of Honor. But but a lot goes on back at the ranch. We we get it, you know we get a lot much much more in Shuttle Pod One of the. Uh, you know the, the the bottle episode of of just the you know uh, Mac Mac 
Reed and um, Reed and Trip in the shuttle. Um, we get a lot more of back at the back at the ranch and and Day of Honor. I call him Mac because his name's Malcolm, and my, yeah. I, I, have, I have a really good friend named Malcolm. We call him Mac. <laughs> I always want to call him Mac, but Mac does not fit Reed's character. Right. I don't think anyone calls him Mac. <laughs> Yeah, he All seems right. very formal. I think it's definitely a Malcolm yeah, situation. Yeah, but yeah, so that's what's happening back at the ranch on the Voyager. I thought the Katati, I thought the Katati storyline was really interesting, and I thought yeah. that could have been an episode in its own right. Yeah, you know, yeah. what what do you do in that scenario? Because this is a threat that all the all of the races that are threatened by the Borg could potentially face right. to be utterly displaced and have nothing left. And just to be a random traveling, uh, random like spacefaring species with nowhere else to go. And I thought the Katati looked great as well. I thought they were a cross yeah. between sort of modern Klingons or season yeah. one Discovery Klingons <laughs> and Kelpians. They had a real cross there. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting description of them. Yeah. Uh, and I like. Yeah, they were cool. I liked them a lot, and I thought they were. I mean, you only saw one, presumably because they were so complicated to look at. Yeah. But. I thought they were great. I thought their story was interesting, and I thought when they when they decided they were going to become villainous, they did it in a really almost Shakespearean way. It was quite, <laughs> yeah. it was quite well done, and I really liked that. I mean, I liked yeah, because it. you could tell that was. I mean, it was bred from their desperation. Oh, totally, literally starving. But it also, was a very devious plan. Completely, you know, it's like. Like they come, oh, check it out! It's the Voyager's warp core. Let's let's steal it, and then we can, you know, blackmail them for more stuff. And he does it, <laughs> and a good plan. I mean, they need their warp core. Oh yeah, and he does it is almost like this. This is the you know. I'm sorry, I'm doing this, but I am gonna do it. So what's gonna happen now? Uh, I thought they were great. Uh, for me. I, I think just because of the sheer quantity of of what goes on in Voyager and the fact that, you know, if it could be an A plot in its own right, it must have some some legs. So I think I'm gonna give my point to to Day of Honor. Yeah, I'm gonna give my point to Day of Honor too. It's um it kind of reminds me of the Void episode yes. episode yeah. from later on in Voyager too, because I, I when when everyone's desperate, this is the kind of stuff you're gonna have to deal with, you know? Yeah. Is is you know people's survival instincts kick in and they do things they wouldn't normally do you know and how do you handle that and um you know and 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 Janeway you know when they first met them she she gave them as much as they can you know but they'll never you know there's always going to be more needed isn't there and there's going to be more people they're going to run across that need help and you're going to do as much as you can at the time for, you know but eventually your stuff's going to run out too and i thought it was nice that neelix jumped to their defense as well as a delta quadrant yeah. native who had just like met them you know not that long ago well four years now at this point but he was very you know quick to say they would do anything for you that they could but they can't give you everything and then leave themselves in your situation yeah. that's crazy Yep. All right. We're all tied up again. Yes. <laughs> comes down to the final round. Final round. Oh my goodness. Where are we going for the final round? Okay. Well, as we're reaching the end and oxygen is depleting, <laughs> let's go for our low oxygen moment. 
All right. Jen, what do you have for low oxygen moment? All right. So they should have 24 hours of air in their little environmental suits Mm -hmm. that they're in. Shouldn't be a problem. But then we get some ion turbulence. (laughs) Uh oh. And it was quite a visual as well, wasn't it? Like a proper flash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it kind of reminded me of the micro singularities too, because it just it just like went through them and punctured Tom's tank and yeah. or whatever happened and 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 just you know vanished. And you gotta think there's all kinds of weird things in space. Yeah, <laughs> space guess. is a dangerous place. It is right, right. So uh, so that the ion <laughs> turbulence um, causes Tom's oxygen to to leak and be completely depleted. Uh, so they have to share Torres's and 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 Bolana's also got you know damaged in in the turbulence. So they should have she should have twenty four hours and she only has a half hour left. And she hooks her suit to his so that they can both have some oxygen. And and they do you know similar to what you're saying you know Reed and and Trip do where they try to get as much as many minutes as they can added on to their time. You know, they, they make all kinds of little tweaks, you know, as, you know, so using the, as little oxygen, as little oxygen as they can and still be alive, you know, to try to yeah. make it last as long as possible. Um, so that's where we get our, our low O2 moments <laughs> of them uh, being a little bit woozy and, and, you know, um, a little bit out of it. Um, and so we, but we get, this is the night, this is the payoff of the episode. This is what the episode is about. It's about Bolana, you know, growing a little bit as a character and, um, and, and moving, moving forward a little bit, um, here. And it took a, you know, a near death, <laughs> low, low O2 moment to happen. Um, but it starts out with Tom playing, the dangerous game of of what did you think about me when we first met? <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, and me now and, and, and like those are always dangerous boxes to open. Um, but um, you know, Belana makes jokes about what a piggy is, and you know, and and they're they're still just joke joking around about it. But then, um, but then she, this is when she has her little clarity moment. And, and she's like, see, this is what I do. I, you know, I push people away. And then mm-hmm. that's, that's always you. That's how I react to things. And, and she calls herself a coward, um, you know, and then that's, I think that's why the, the day of honor, I think, you know, she felt this way even before, you know, before now, like, this is why she's so, you know, the day of honor meant so much to her. You know what I mean? She says she has no honor, you know, I'm going to die. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to die without a shred of honor. You know, she says, um, and, and then, and then they have the cute moment, which I, is, is cute. Cause, uh, Tom says, Tom has his cute moment and he says, I'm glad the last thing I'll see is you, you know, he's finally not like, not like being like, like a gross horn dog. She has some of those. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> could have been. Well, he, cause he's had some of those lines earlier, <laughs> but here, and the final final low oxygen moment when they think they're gonna die, and he just says that nice thing about her, and and um, you know, and and she and she said, you know, she says she finally says, I'm gonna tell you the truth, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna stop being a coward, and and I'm gonna tell you, and she says, I love you. She says the words, I love you, to Tom, mm-hmm. which is like, what a step forward for her. Absolutely. <laughs> 
to admit that to anyone, you know, not even just like in a romantic way <laughs> for, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is harder for Bolana than, you know, like the pain sticks would have, would yeah, have been, absolutely. You know, admit, like feelings in the, in that way to anybody, let alone romantically. Um, and it's, and it's a nice moment and, you know, you know, that this is going to lead to not, not even, I'm, I don't even care about the romantic side of it. Like, you know, just leads to her being less scared of feeling things, you know? So maybe, you know, maybe we'll have less scenes like we saw in the clash of the personalities category from now on with her. And we kind of do, I mean, she's, she's, she is who she is like, and I love her, you know, like, like she is who she is and that's just, but she's a little bit more open to things and a little bit less putting up walls and trying to push people away. And so she says, I love you. And that was really hard for her. And that's the last thing we hear her say before she passes out due to lack of oxygen. <laughs> and, and it's a nice moment. It's a little bit marred by like Tom's response. Cause it, Tom just, Tom doesn't say, I love you too. And I don't know if they were trying to go for like, um, like a I love you, I know kind of moment. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe. He, he just says, Oh, you take it to pick the guitar to tell me. And it's yeah, oh, like, a little sarcastic. It's like, well. That's what you say. That's like the last thing she's going to hear you say. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, hard, so hard for her to say. And that was the only response she got. <laughs> Maybe you want to feel disingenuous, but. I don't know. But so that was a little, that, that like took me out of the nice, nice moment of it. But I think they're just trying to go for the, he's a Han Solo, I know kind of guy. His Han Solo <laughs> moment. All right, fair enough. Okay. That, that's how I to interpret it. But, but it was it was an interesting, uh, it's a, you know, that was the crux of the episode. That's all they were trying to get to. They, they, they injected the warp core just to get to a little bit of growth for Boana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What okay. about the low O2 moments in Shuttlepod 1? You guys are have low O2 and you're cold. Yes. But I actually, <laughs> I've picked a moment from slightly beyond there, slightly before then. Oh, okay. And they, I think it's uh, it's the low O2, but also, the, also I think the, the pressure of what's happening. So the point I've picked yeah. is after they found out that they found out that the NX-01, oh, they believe it's been destroyed. And they've got nine days of oxygen left. But this doesn't solve their problems because in nine days, they cannot get anywhere. There's nowhere they can get to in nine days. So all they can do is sort of pick a direction that they think somewhere might somebody might be and sort of drive in that direction and hope they get picked up. So they decide to chart a course for Echo 3. And this is so nine days of oxygen is still pretty good. Now, just before they get hit by the micro, uh, what are they called again? Singularity. Micro singularities. Reed has a dream. And it's just such a weird, (laughs) weird dream. And uh, I'm putting this down to the fact that. They're not low on oxygen per se because you don't actually ever see them doing what Tom did, which is sort of like lose consciousness. That happens off screen. But here it's the sort of, I've only got nine days of air left and the pressure of this is getting to me. And his subconscious is creating this 
bizarre oh, scenario. Whereby <laughs> oh, he wakes up in sick bay, or his eyes open, he's in sick bay, and he's told that he has saved Trip and that he must rest now, but all that will be revealed in the morning. Archer and Flocks leave, but Topol remains and gets closer and closer and closer to him and is talking about his bravery and explaining that, I love this, Molcom is the Vulcan word for serenity, <laughs> which I just thought was, was so That's a nice touch. So crazy. And then Topol smiles and he like he thinks that's amazing, like he's caused a Vulcan to smile. And then the word stinky keeps coming oh, up. It's so cringy. Stinky, stinky. <laughs> and then just as they're about to kiss, he wakes up, it's a dream. And Trip asks him who's stinky and they just ignore <laughs> it and they carry on. And it's just so weird. And it's it's only just a low oxygen moment because their oxygen is they've got nine yeah. days. This is more of a low oxygen, high pressure moment. But yeah, yeah. So, no. Yeah. It's just so weird. I couldn't go without without talking about it. Oh my god. That is so cringy. <laughs> I know, so... I know. It's just awful. And it's funny too, because I don't I don't care that he has a dream about to to Paul. Like I I don't blame him, no. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's not the part that's cringy. It's just that he's his same like creepy weird self <laughs> in the dream as no, well. Like I have no doubt that that's the kind of stuff he would say to Depaul if he was really in that situation. Oh, no, you know what I mean? It's, it's funny because at first he he had it's, it's first it's like a like a Mary Sue dream, you know? Because he's he's like he's like you thank you Malcolm you saved Trip yeah, <laughs> with your you heroic. <laughs> you're the one that saved the day and, and um and you know and and, it, and you know with to paul being interested in him but then he's not like him he himself then is not like all suave and debonair or maybe that's what he thinks being suave is yeah. <laughs> is that like his idea of being suave and he debonair? has not got that down he has not got it that's what it is he has not he's not got this we have <laughs> Oh my god! And it, it almost could have been cute too, like of him getting her to laugh and then, like you know, yeah. nuzzling and being cute. But it's just him and his—he just keeps saying the word "stinky" yeah. so much. He just said "stinky," and he's always oh, laughing. If she said it, like, I've done it. I've cracked the Vulcan. Oh my, oh my god, it was horrible. Oh, that's such a funny pick. Yeah, cause, I mean, because that dream was. Uh, the result of the, of him finding out basically that he's gonna die. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they only have nine days of oxygen. And he's gonna die, and and he takes that seriously. You know, like Trip holds out a little bit of hope, hope, but he legit is just like, well, okay, nine days, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, got to record all my messages and do all this stuff. Mm. That's I, re- I really life. hope that if I find out I've got nine oh, days left to live, I spend my nine days, you know, doing something more relevant. <laughs> Although, what else is that down nine day? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I don't blame him for wanting to leave messages for everyone he cares about. I mean, I don't think he particularly cared about the people he left messages for. Yeah, he didn't care about those people. (laughs) But at least, you know, maybe like his parents and his aunt or, you know, whatever he loved. It seems to be like he wanted to finally one-up them. He just wanted to make sure that they felt a bit bad that he died. Yeah. Oh, I I feel so bad. I attribute all that that those motives to to read too. 
<laughs> I don't. I feel like I don't give him enough credit sometimes, but they really don't give us anything to work with with him, <laughs> like no. ever. Throughout the four seasons, you don't really get enough to work with. <laughs> and, you know, to get no, they really have to double down on it as it goes on. <laughs> they go. They they drive into this character. He doesn't redeem yeah. himself. Yeah. I remember there's that there's that scene in E squared where he finds out he never had any descendants. Oh, I feel so bad for him. <laughs> There's like, oh, who'd you marry? Who'd you marry? No one. <laughs> Read then, about you. A lot of no people one. don't have descendants. That's that's a normal part of life. But to right. be told, like, you will never do this. This is not for you. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's more like the descendants is more than like he never found love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's what's the part that was really, you know, the sad Absolutely. part for him. Like, it's just like, oh, it never happened for me, you know, and <laughs> why, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, it was just such a like the writers like sticking it to him. <laughs> yeah, they did not like really. And Malcolm Reed never found love. Oh. <laughs> so sad. Oh, poor oh, man. man. Poor oh, Malcolm God. Reed. Poor oh, Mac. man. All right. Poor Mac. <laughs> okay. Oh, great. Where are you going to award your low O2 points moment? Oh, my goodness. You picked such a funny one. <laughs> I picked a funny one, but you picked such a. You picked like the heartwarming, touching one. I mean, this is where Bellana like... says, I love you for the first time. You know. Yeah. And and th- and that's this love is genuine. This this isn't just a one off yeah. happens in the moment. They go on. Oh, they yeah. get married. They have children. They married, they, yeah, they, they uh, follow through on this one. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think like like I said, I think this whole episode exists just to get her to that moment where she you know has a little bit of growth and stops pushing people away, especially the people like Tom who legitimately care about her mm-hmm. and you know want to be there for for her, and she has to learn to allow that, you know, let alone admit this, this, I love you, you know, to Tom, but, but also just to let Tom love her, you know, which is another reason why I really wish that he would have, you know, said back at least something less snarky <laughs> than he picked a great time to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> like Tom. Oh my gosh. You need read the room. No, Tom, read, read Tom needs an episode like this too. <laughs> Let's have a whole episode to, to move him along. But he's funny. Tom is such a weird character too. Like we're talking about Reed not getting a chance, but like with Tom, the thing is he's like two different people. Yeah. You know, like sometimes it's just like, you are such a stereotype of that kind of dude, bro. And other times he's like this, this great, sweet, sensitive, like caring, strong man. And it's like, you never know which Tom you're going to get. Yeah, he he does really flip between the two. You know, yeah, you always come up, you always come with women at warp speed. It's like wow, yeah, he does does he seem does. to, and it's and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, but but he just he just makes these comments sometimes that it's like you are the most immature person. Like, yeah. how are you even here? And then other times he does he you know he like he has that scene with Seven where he legitimately is like, this must be hard for you, and I I'm here if you need somebody. And it's just genuine and mature and no- normal. And it's just, he just goes back and forth. It's so funny. I guess they're good for each other. Him and Bolan are good for each other in that way. Yeah. I suppose he can deal with a lot. He can, he can, he can cope with it. He's okay. Yeah. You know, 
she can do, she can deal with his crap and he can deal with her crap. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's got crap, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. That Find someone to deal with it. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so I'm going to give my point to Day of Honor. I think I'm also giving my point to Day of Honor. I just I, I like it. I like I like the way it all pans out. And although yeah. that wasn't perfect, it, it's <laughs> it's perfectly low O two. Yeah. All right. So Day of Honor pulled pulled ahead there at the end. Day of Honor really did. Um, score six to four. Four. And Shuttlepod One is renowned as one of the finest Enterprise episodes they produced. <laughs> it's good. It's a good episode. It's a good bottle episode. There's some funny, real funny moments. Um, there, I, I, I like the moments too, like like when they're when they are when they do get drunk. Like that's a funny drunk scene. That you know they have them bonding. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I, I think the added the cold them you know saying well if, if we're cold then you know that's this much more oxygen this much longer we can hang out and and everything they did to increase their their oxygen you know to, to use that little bit less oxygen mattered because what what did archer say at the end they only had like a couple hours left yeah wow. so it all mattered and and but i but i think it was i think it added something to the gravity of it to see them shivering and having trouble breathing. You know? Yeah, it wasn't just a case that they were just going to sit down, you know, go to sleep one night and not wake up. It right, was uncomfortable right. and they were yeah, trying yeah. to survive. It wasn't... Right, right. They weren't just leaving it. Yeah. So, good okay. stuff. Good episodes. Both, both good, good episodes. They were good episodes. Good. Now that we've finished with the old business on to the new time to hand out next month's story assignments ritterhouse we're waiting okay friends and neighbors let's see what uncle roy has for you today okay on the next episode of snap trek it will be an organian double feature as we compare the original series errand of mercy versus enterprises observer effect Ooh, i love it i know we're gonna get, we're gonna get judged by those omnipotent <laughs> beings are we worthy? Are we worthy yet? <laughs> yeah. When are we going to ascend? When will we ascend? <laughs> oh, I love it. I didn't know we'd get to see the Organians again. I know. <laughs> well, the, the Organian Treaty comes up occasionally. Whenever the Klingons yeah, are mentioned, the Organian yeah, Peace true. Treaty comes up. They obviously had a quite a big effect. Um, yeah. I am glad we saw them again. Yeah. Or I guess that was them. That was before. Ooh. Yeah, that was them. <laughs> so conceivably, we could see them again in Discovery Seasons 4. We could. We could. The Organians could be a, a genuine, yeah. genuine, ongoing. Who knows? Because they're still around. Technically, Aaron of Mercy is, is a sequel to Observer Effect, timeline wise. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. All right. I'm looking forward to uh, getting down with the Organians. Should be fun. Uh, is there anything else you would uh, like to say before you go? I would just like to say thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. And I guess that's about it. And <laughs> I would just like you to think of me from time to time. Cool. Julie Ross. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to send, <laughs> change the name and send them out to a bunch of different people. <laughs>
Oh my goodness. That's to all of you. Yeah, no, that's to everyone. That's to everyone. Each of you get an individual letter. Oh my goodness. Well, you got to change though, right? Some some people have nice eyes and some yeah. people have nice hair, whatever. It's all about the smile. The sound of her voice. That's right. Right. Oh. Guys, it's all been right. lovely. So nice to see you all. And that is a Royal Fizzbin. Warning. Oxygen level at 104 millibars. Tom. Come on. Open your eyes. Warning. Oxygen level at 87 millibars. I was having a dream. There's something I have to say. Me too. I'm glad the last thing I'll see is you. I've been a coward about everything. Everything that really matters. No, you're being a little hard on yourself. No. I'm gonna die without a shred of honor. And for the first time in my life, that really bothers me. So I have to tell you something. Warning. Oxygen level at 71 millibars. I have to tell you the truth. The truth about what? Great time to tell me.